Hello, welcome to the Step by Step Sermon Podcast. I am Andrew Bird Harris. I'd like to thank you for listening. You can learn more about this podcast by visiting stepbystepsermons.com. The sermon you're about to listen to is preached at Thompson Town United Methodist Church. You can learn more about Thompson Town United Methodist Church by visiting their website, thompsontownchurch.org. Our gospel lesson for this morning comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 15, verses 12 through 32, or 11 through 32. Then Jesus said, there was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, father, give me the share of the property that will belong to me. So he divided his property between them. A few days later, the younger son gathered all that he had and traveled to a distant country. And there he squandered his property in dissolute living. When he had spent everything, a severe famine took a place throughout that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He would gladly have filled himself with the pods that the pigs were eating, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired hands have bread enough and to spare? But here I am dying of hunger. I will get up and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. So he set off and went to his father. But while he was still far off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran and put his arms around him and kissed him. Then the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, Quickly, bring out a robe, the best one, and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and on his sandals, sandals on his feet. And he'd get the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For again he was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his elder son was out in the field, and when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. He called to one of the slaves and asked what was going on. He replied, Your brother has come home, and your father has killed the fatted calf because he, was got, he has uh, got him back safely and sound. Then he became angry and refused to go in. His father came out and began to plead with him. But he answered his father, Listen, for all these years I have been working like a slave for you, and I have never disobeyed your command, yet you have never given me even a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came back, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, You killed the fatted calf for him. Then the father said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice, because this brother of yours was dead and has come to life. He was lost and has been found. The word of God for the people of God. Let us pray. Loving and gracious God, as we meditate on your word and hear your word proclaimed, open up our hearts. Open up our minds and let us hear what the Spirit is saying to us this morning. Amen. 
Today we finish our sermon series on Forgiven. And I also kind of see this as an ending to our first sermon series on, on being forgiven. That I really see this as the culmination of both sermon series. And when we started this whole thing, I told you that I was surprised when I asked you for topics for sermons, how many of you suggested ideas around forgiveness. And, and it surprised me because I very rarely have preached on forgiveness. I feel like after this, this, these two sermon series, we've got it covered for a while. Though, to be honest, there's a lot of topics we could have talked about and, and still could preach on. And, and, and as I heard your stories about why you wanted me to preach on this, it's been heartbreaking that a lot of you have been hurt, that a lot of you have been put in very difficult situations, and, and that you want to forgive people in your lives, but it's really hard when people have betrayed you, when people have hurt you, when people have used you, and, and, and it's hard to forgive. It's hard to ask for forgiveness. I know in my life that, that seeking forgiveness can be hard, and seeking forgiveness can be hard because I have to admit that I did something wrong, and I really don't like to admit that I've done something wrong. And then I have to, to want to change. I have to try to make restitution for what I've done wrong. And, and that's hard, that I don't really want to change that. I may not like the way my life is now, but there's a lot of reasons I live the way my life, I live my life the way I live it now. And I don't necessarily want to change. And yet when we hurt people, when we do things wrong, if we really are repentant, if we're really sorry for what we've done, then that's gonna require life change. And it's also, I found hard for me to grant forgiveness. That sometimes it can be really hard that when someone hurts me, I just want to hurt them back. When someone has done something awful to me, even if they're sorry, I kind of enjoy that they're feeling bad. And I want them to feel as bad as long as possible to try to justify for how they hurt me. That's not a way you should be in the world. But it's hard sometimes to forgive people when they've really burned you. And, and, and it's, it's easier to just want to hold that over their heads. Forgiveness is hard because it's oftentimes the people who are closest to us the people that we've let come into our lives in a way that's meaningful are the ones who hurt us the most. And so the people who are in the best position to love us are often the people who hurt us. And the people that we're in the best position to love are the people that we often hurt. And, 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 and I think in my own life, in some of the most difficult situations, the things that weigh heavy on my hearts, the things that still hurt, and I think about situations that I've talked about in the sermon series where... where we had a bad situation, and our relationships often are still not where they used to be. Uh, I, I talked about the, 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 the college radio station manager. I have not talked to him in years, but I do often think about him. I have another friend who hasn't talked to me in years, and I don't even know what I did. He never told me what I did and why he cut off communication from me, but I often think about him, and, and, it, and it hurts. I also think, though, about the different situations in my life where people that I've loved have hurt me and we've experienced forgiveness. And that's been times full of joy and peace. That it's really hard when you're estranged from someone that you love. It's really hard when there's bad blood between you and someone you care about. And there's a lot of joy when your, rest, your, your relationship is restored. When you go from not being in good relationship to being in good relationship. There's a lot of power and beauty in that. And that's what we see in today's gospel lesson. Today's gospel lesson comes in the context of Jesus on his way to Jerusalem. And Jesus is headed towards the cross. And Jesus knows that he's headed towards the cross. And so all this teaching that we see here in this part of the gospel, these are some of Jesus' last teachings, knowing that 
He's going to die. And so he's trying to get out some of the most important things. And as he's going around teaching and preaching and healing, sinners are flocking to him. Tax collectors, the chief sinners, are flocking to him. And you would think that everyone would be happy that sinners and tax collectors want to change, want to turn their lives around, want to repent. But the Pharisees and the scribes see all these sinners around Jesus, and they start making rude remarks. Uh, they, they start complaining about Jesus. They say at the beginning of the, Luke chapter 15, this fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. And instead of celebrating sinners wanting to come back to God, they are criticizing Jesus for reaching out to sinners. And so Jesus starts telling a series of parables, stories with lessons about things that are lost being found. And the third parable in this series is the parable that we saw in our gospel lesson today, the very famous parable of the prodigal son. And, and it's a parable that I think, if you know a parable, you'd probably be very familiar with. And it's about this man that has two sons. And the youngest son wants his inheritance early. And we have to imagine that was really hurtful to the father. The, the younger son's basically telling the father, I wish you were dead. I want my stuff now. In a culture that is all about honor and respect, this was an incredibly disrespectful and dishonoring thing to do. It was a slap in the face to the father. It was a rejection of him as the leader of the family. And yet the father lets the son have his share of the property. And he leaves, which means a further rejection of the family. Like Not only does he want his money and property, but he leaves the family. He leaves his country. He leaves his heritage. And he goes to a foreign country. And he lives it up. Now, we're assuming that he's a Jew, and he's spending time with all these people who are not Jews, unclean people, and he is rejecting everything. He's been taught all the ways he's been encouraged to live, and things are great for him until he runs out of money. And not only does he run out of money, but then a famine hits, and so everyone's desperate. There's not extra food to be found, and the best job he can, be, he can find is taking care of pigs. An unclean animal, something that a good Jewish person would not do. And he's so desperate, and things are so bad, that he wishes he could eat the food that he's given to these unclean animals. He gets to a point where he realizes that he would be better as a slave in his father's house than he is living in his foreign land. And he realizes he's done wrong. And so he decides to himself that he's going to go back to his father's house and say, I'm not worthy to be your child, but I would be happy to be your slave. And so he sets off returning home. And in one of the most powerful moments in this parable, the father must be looking out. And I can only imagine that the father's been looking out, hoping beyond hope that one day his son might return. And he sees out in the distance the son that's disrespected him, that's hurt him, that has done everything to insult him that he could possibly do. And yet, when he sees him, he's filled with compassion. If you've been to my Bible studies, I'm obsessed with the word that's here in Greek, but it really means his heart literally goes out to him. That instead of being angry, instead of being upset, instead of being hurt, he is full of love towards his son. And instead of waiting for his son to come to him, he runs towards his son. And his son starts apologizing, saying, I have sinned against you. I'm, gonna, I, I'm willing to be your servant. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father won't hear any of it. His father says, get him a good robe. Apparently he doesn't have any shoes. Get him some sandals. Put a ring on his finger. We're going to celebrate. Get that fatted calf we've been saving for one of these special occasions. And we're going to have a feast in his honor. 
because his son has been returned to him. He thought he was lost, and now he was found. And they're having a party. There's music. There's dancing. They've killed their best calf. And then the oldest son comes from the field, and he's like, wait a minute. There's no special celebration. There's no holiday. There's no reason to have a party. Why are we having a party, and, and why did no one get me? And, and, and he finds out that this party is for his younger brother, the one who has disrespected the family, the one who has hurt his father, the one who has caused a lot of pain. And, and, and he starts giving his father a piece of his mind, like, why are you doing this? You could have thrown me a party. I've been loyal. I've been here. I've been doing all that you asked me to. But his father tells him that, son, you'll always be with me, and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice, because this brother of yours was dead, and he has come to life. He was lost, and he's been found. And Jesus is telling this parable to shame the Pharisees and the scribes. Because instead of rejoicing that sinners want to change their lives, instead of celebrating that sinners want to come to know God and to, to live differently, they're criticizing Jesus for spending time with sinners. And, and, and Jesus is revealing the heart of God, that God wants people to come back. God wants to be in a relationship with people, that God is always ready to forgive. We might stray from God. We might do all the wrong things. We might even reject God, but God still loves us. God still wants to be in a relationship with us. Our love for God might fail, but God's love for us never fails. And this story gives us the ideal of forgiveness and relationship. That when we do wrong, God is willing to forgive us. And that when we are forgiven, our relationship is restored in full. And this gives us a model for, them for how we should desire to be in the world. That we should desire to be able to forgive people and be in full relationship with people. And that all the work we do in terms of forgiving and forgiveness should be with the hope and the dream of the full restoration of relationship. And this gets me to the main point of the sermon this morning. That the aim of forgiveness is the full restoration of relationship. You might be wondering, why is there a car on the front cover of the bulletin this morning? And I found a picture that I really liked of someone restoring a car. And it kind of made me think a little bit about what does it mean to restore a relationship? Well, restoring a relationship and restoring a car are a lot alike. Now, this is a preface. If you know me, you know that I'm not very handy, so I've never actually restored a car. But from what I understand, restoring a car requires a lot of work. That you got to get the rust out, that you got to put the parts in, that you got to fix this and take that out and keep trying different things till it works. It requires a lot of time. That no one gets a car that needs to be restored and says, oh, I'll be done in 24 hours that it often takes a long time to get the car the way you want it. It requires a lot of patience, that getting the parts, getting things to work, getting things to look the way you want them to look can be very difficult. It can require a lot of waiting because the parts aren't on the shelf, the things you want may not be available, and you often have to wait for what you're looking for, for that car. And it's never gonna be the same as the original. It might be better in some ways, it, it, but it's never gonna be the same. It's never gonna be like the original. But because you put all this time and all this hard work into something, it's beautiful and it's special that you take something that was rusting, broken, abused, and it becomes sparkling, working, and loved. And that's kind of like what we hope for with the full restoration of relationships. That after someone has seriously wronged us, our desire should be to be back in full relationship 
with that person. And it can take a lot of hard work that you can't just say, I'm sorry, and sometimes have everything back the way you want them the next day. It can require a lot of time putting back the pieces, making things right, apologizing, showing that you're living differently. And it can sometimes take counsel and mediation and conversations. And sometimes you have to pray and pray and pray and hope that there's an opportunity for relationships to change. And sometimes the relationship's never going to be the same way it was before. That you can't undo what was done. That the consequences of what happened are, are, are still going to be there with you. But that doesn't mean that you can't have something beautiful and special when your relationship is restored. We live in a world of sin. And sometimes we sin. And sometimes other people sin. And when we recognize that we need forgiveness... It helps us to remember that we need to forgive other people. That, that we should be trying to forgive others because we need forgiveness. And that our hope should always be, our dream, our goal, is the full restoration of relationship. That's why we take forgiveness and forgiven so seriously. And that's why we've talked about that when we sin, when we do something wrong, we need to admit that we've done something wrong. We need to say, sorry, I should not have done that to you. It was wrong for me to do what I've done. And then we need to repent and to show that we've changed, that we've turned away from our wrongdoing. We try to make restoration for what we've done, uh, or we try to give back for what we've done. We try to, to, to make sure that we make right what we've done wrong. And, and, and we try the best as we can to put the pieces back together. And in terms of God forgiving us, when we come back and say we're sorry, we repent, we are, have done wrong, God will forgive us. In terms of other people, sometimes we have to pray and we just have to keep working at it. When other people wrong us, when we need to forgive other people, we have to start with lamentation and just mourn the, 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 the relationship breaking down. Mourn what we've lost. Again, when you have a full restoration of relationship, you can't undo the consequences of what happened. Things can never be the way they were before. And so we have to mourn what we've lost. We have to mourn what might be. And we might want to forgive. We might want that full restoration of relationship. But sometimes people aren't going to ask for forgiveness. Sometimes people aren't going to admit that they've done wrong. And so sometimes we're not going to get in this side of heaven what we hope for. And yet, when people uh, do us wrong, we can always tell them they've done us wrong. We can tell them how they have hurt us. We need to make sure that we don't respond in kind. And, and, and we do that, name that sin and not respond in kind so we can create the ground to hope that we can have this full restoration of relationship. That the more we're loving and kind towards them, the more likely they are to realize that they have done wrong. That's why we talked about last week how we need to have a posture of love and patience. That we need to be loving towards them, patient towards them. We need to be praying and working and hoping that we might have that full restoration of relationship. I love that the father in the, the prodigal son story is looking out. I think the father's been looking for his son for a really long time. And he's hoping that his son might come home. And he is overwhelmed and overjoyed when he does. And that's the way we need to be. We need to be looking for that possibility of forgiveness. That hope for the full restoration of relationship. Today's parable shows that God, our Father, is willing to forgive our sins. That God is always seeking us. Like we told in the children's, bun children's bunny story, that we might want to escape God's love, but God is always there. God is always ready. God wants to be in relationship with us, even when we don't think 
We want God. And as we're trying to live out uh, God's desires for our lives, we need to be in a place where we're ready to forgive, where we're eager to forgive, where when people do us wrong, we, instead of doing them wrong, seek to forgive, seek to love, seek to restore our relationship. That even when things aren't going the way we hope, we pray, we desire, and we work towards that full restoration of relationship. My invitation for us this week in our prayer time is to just look at situations in our lives where have I done someone wrong and do I need to go and ask for forgiveness? Or are there people in my life that I need to really be working towards forgiving? That I need to make sure that I'm not doing them wrong? That I am praying and loving and patiently waiting for them to come back? Because the aim of forgiveness is the full restoration of relationship. Amen.